You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome, fellow frenzied fact fanatic followers and friends. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 88. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your happy, snappy, strappy, yappy chaps. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. I want to note that today's episode is number 88. 88. Mm. And as a Chinese person, that's super lucky. That's what I hear. Yes, it's an auspicious number eight. It means get rich. (laughs) So, all right. (laughs) All right. So, this is wealth, mm. fortune, uh, happiness. All kind of linked together. And I have some cool facts about the number eight. The Patronus Twin Towers in Malaysia, Mm -hmm. famously, uh, the very, very tall buildings, each have 88 floors. I mean, these are not coincidence. Right. Designed by choice. I didn't know this, but there are plenty of airline companies, any routes to either to China, from China, or from Chinese places. The flight number is... 88 or uh, 888 or something. So huh. Air Canada, Shanghai to Toronto is AC88. United Airlines, a uh, route from Beijing to San Francisco is flight UA888. Okay. And then Beijing to Newark is flight UA88. I wonder if any of them at all have the the number four in them, the unlucky number. Oh, I bet not. I, I right. bet not. I bet yeah. not. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Lots of eights, no fours. Mm-hmm. There you go. I just thought that was, uh, huh. that was pretty cool. Uh, all right. Well, without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment. Pop quiz, hotshot. Get your barnyard buzzers ready. Here we go. Blue wedge for geography. The come as you are sign in Aberdeen, Washington welcomes visitors to the hometown of what musician? Colin. Uh, that would be Kurt Cobain. Correct. Mm-hmm. The phrase is the title of a song from the 1991 Nirvana album, Nevermind. Pink Wedge. What did Outkast tell listeners to shake it like in their song, Hey Ya? <laughs> Dana. A Polaroid picture. Polaroid picture. You're actually not supposed to shake Polaroid That's pictures, right. just yeah. so everybody knows. Because it messes up with the, mm-hmm. the chemical process. Okay, great. Next time I take a Polaroid, I'll uh, remember. <laughs> yeah. hey. No, they're, they're back they're now. They're making a comeback. Oh, yeah. But they're ironic and hipster. <laughs> <They're back. laughs> okay. While you're with wearing monocle. your monocle. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my yes, God. Yes. Yeah, it's like, oh, I have to take my monocle out so I can take this <laughs> Polaroid uh, All right. Yellow Wedge. Who are the only two U.S. presidents to have been impeached? Oh, oh we keep getting this. Okay, is it is it Andrew Johnson and William Jefferson Clinton? Correct. Right. Andrew Johnson. That was the okay. trick part That's, of it. The trick is uh, most people might say Nixon. Yep. And Nixon. In fact, I think I did last time this yeah. came up. Yeah. yeah. All right, Purple Wedge. What writing system could be deciphered thanks to the discovery of the Rosetta Stone? Oh. Not the program. Yeah, the which was Rosetta the language? Was uh, Dana. Was it uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics? Correct. Yeah. Hieroglyphics. Yeah. 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 Scholars use the Greek text on the stone to interpret the hieroglyphics. Orange wedge. Last question. What are the three traditional ingredients in plain shortbread? <laughs> it's not a sports question. Sports and leisure. Um, leisure. I'll, I'll call it, uh, we'll say f- uh, flour. 
Ding, 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 ding. Uh, butter. Ding, 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 ding. And sugar. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably water, too. No? No, just mm-hmm. those three. Very easy to make shortbread. You don't know a lot about sports, Dana, clearly. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't got a sports question in a yeah. really long time. Yeah, that, that's... You know what? I think these were made by somebody just like me. It's like... <laughs> what other like, things are what? leisurely? You need, like... Two percent sports, right? <laughs> just to sprinkle it. I, in. The last time I played actual Trivial Pursuit, I mean, I just kept getting asked these ridiculously granular sports questions. It was uh. stuff about like, you know, who kicked this field goal and <laughs> by how many points did this team win in the nineteen eighty eight Super Bowl and all this stuff. And it was just like, and then it comes back around to the people we're playing against, and the sports and leisure questions are like, there was a question that was just like. What beverage is called the holy water of the South? And it's just like, oh my God. Do you know well, what the answer is? No. Well, hold think, on, hold on. Think I have a guess. I, I, you're probably yeah. right. Of the American what South. What beverage? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, what, what beverage is called the holy water of the South? I would guess it comes in a red can. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> RC Cola? <laughs> Coca Cola. Coca Cola. Oh, Coca Cola. Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Coca Cola. Roll the die. Yep. Good job, brains. So many people know that we play as a pub trivia team. And I'm sure many of you guys, uh, listeners, also uh, participate in pub trivia or plan to or maybe have tried pub trivia. Or, you know, if you haven't, maybe you should uh, try it out because it's super fun and rewarding. There are kind of uh, manners and kind of code of conduct mm, sure. involved yes. in pub trivia. And I just want to yeah. first kind of talk about some of the things that you should or should not do. The do's and don'ts of mm. pub trivia. Well, of course, the the big one is if you're at a place where pub trivia is being played, and whether you are or are not playing, you should not shout out the answers when they read the the questions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You'd Um, be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't, but how often we have to hear the host remind people, please do not shout out the answers. You have a lot of people who maybe they don't know that it's going on, and they're like, I know this question. The answer is this. I'm so proud of myself. Yeah. Well, they don't know it's like a competition. And of course, in uh, the modern times... uh, Cell phones, definitely there is a very strict cell phone rule. And, you know, obviously you should not be getting answers from your smartphone. But also relatedly, depends on pub to pub, for our pub trivia, even just having your phone out on a table, even if you're not using it, uh, it seems a little shady. So, you know, when it's quiz time, put it in your pocket, put it in your bag, and just don't even make people doubt or think that you might be cheating in a way. And ours, I think good sportsmanship is really important. So like if somebody else wins, you congratulate them. You don't want to be the one that everybody's like, those people are jerks. (laughs) Like they're so rude. They're the evil ones. Or boo anybody. Yeah, you don't boo people. People get very touchy if you if you are too aggressive. I don't know if this is really under etiquette, but we we sometimes have to challenge the quiz master, and there's always you know there's there's we have a protocol because you don't want to be too you got this wrong. Where's my point? Because they're immediately going to shut down. So yeah. we kind of have our procedures of right. Oh, you know, I think maybe or yeah. are you sure about or it is etiquette. You know, we've shared on the show. Sometimes we get questions that are just written wrong, or there are multiple answers or it's unclear and Mm -hmm. instead of going up to the quiz master and be like 
hey, buddy, you know, <laughs> you messed up or like, this is right. Overly aggressive or confrontational is, is never good, even if you're right, even if the question is wrong, if it's super wrong, if it's 100% wrong and you're sure, you can go challenge, but you have to have the expectation that you might not get a point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, their their judgment is final, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's however bad you may feel about it, you have right. to deal with it. That's all just, you know, part of good part, manners. Yeah, part yeah. of the culture. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this week uh, for today's episode, we decide to explore the worlds of uh, etiquette and good manners. bad manners but you know what it's all relative yes right where it all depends mm-hmm. on who you're with and where you are and what country you're in and uh, oh yes so let me ask you guys this maybe in the course of your research for this show did you think to look up where the word etiquette comes from oh no okay it all sounds right. french. Well, french. french it sounds french, french. Yeah. It, yeah. it is pretty french yeah. um <laughs> let me okay so how about this there is a word in in english and a, a word in english that is more anglicized right um that sounds very much like etiquette and they actually both came from the same place mm. do you guys maybe want to take a stab at what that word is ethics? Connecticut. No, not Connecticut. Uh, that's uh, that's a Native ethics? American word, I believe. Not ethics. Oh, no. that's a good guess. No. Mm. Coquettish. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. You're. It's it's actually a lot closer than that. It's uh, the word ticket, as oh. in a little piece of paper. Oh. So, like back in the day in France, people would like you know maybe go to court, like to see the king and queen, or go to formal occasions. They would pass out a little sheet of paper to people saying like, "Hey, BT Dubs, like here's how you behave around the king. Here are the manners in which the, you know, the king the wants rules. you to act. The little, little mm-hmm. the rules mm-hmm. of like you know what to do. Don't trample on the grass. That sort of thing. Right. And they called that an etiquette, ah. meaning a little ticket. Wow." And, uh, uh, yeah, and that's where etiquette comes from. Cool. Wow. That's yeah, cool. crazy, right? That's good. Mm-hmm. That's fun. So I think it's safe to say that most of our listeners are human. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I would go out on a limb and... Vast majority. Well, I would yeah. say we don't know how many people play this for their dogs while they're at work. Yeah. That's true. I mean... That's true. Certainly a plurality of our listeners are human. <laughs> what about like all the bugs and spiders in the house? Oh. Mm-hmm. Let's, all let's the, really the, get down the, into you know, the, <laughs> mites, <laughs> the mites and lice on your body. Are they There's, listening? They're, they're, yeah, are they're they hearing. <laughs> they're not listening. Touche. Yes. Okay, Colin, we concede. <laughs> yeah. Point given. Wow. It took me almost 45 seconds just to get you guys to sign off on human listeners. Yeah. Um, so, you know, humans, uh, we're, we're not the only animals that communicate, certainly, but we are believed to be the only animals that use gestures for communication. Huh. We also use writing, too. But for the purposes of this segment, mm-hmm. I want to focus on gestures. I've always been uh, personally interested in cross-cultural differences in similar gestures. You know, it's always like, you know, don't do this here, do this right, here. As, right, as right. you say, as you say, Chris, as you're going to a place you haven't been before, it's wise to know what the customs are there. So originally I thought, well, this 
is going to be good to talk about gestures on an audio program because they are, by definition, visual in nature. But then I decided to focus it on rude and offensive gestures. Oh. So now this way no one's going to get in trouble because okay. you can't see the uh, <laughs> you can't see the potentially the rude and offensive yeah. gestures I'm making. Great loophole. <laughs> yeah. Great loophole. Uh, I have a particular favorite example of someone using what is to him a common gesture in the wrong place. The classic example of what I think not I to know do. What it is. Yeah, you probably do. You probably do. So uh, in 1992, President George H.W. Bush, yes. George Bush Sr., uh, was on an official visit to Australia, and as he and the entourage were making their way through Canberra, there was a group of local farmers who were staging a protest there. I mean, they knew he was coming. They were staging a protest about U.S. farm subsidies, you know, that this is not fair to us Australian farmers. Bush, to sort of show, hey, you know, I'm kind of a cool guy. This doesn't ruffle me. And also just sort of like, hey, guys, chill out. He thought he's going to throw them the peace sign. Yes. Throw, you know, mm -hmm. hey, peace, guys. Now, if you've lived in Australia or anywhere in the U.K. Mm -hmm. or New Zealand, you, you can probably guess yeah. where this is going. Yeah. Uh, Dana, do you, uh, you probably know what happened here. Yeah, so the um, palm facing out is peace. Yes. And then the palm facing towards you mm -hmm. is... Uh Go F yourself. Yeah, yeah. it's profane. It's, yeah. it's basically the yeah, equivalent of the like middle the middle finger. finger. Yeah. 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 yeah, so that's yeah. what we did. It's like, hey, farmers, say, hey, up yours. <laughs> Don't do that if you're in... Uh, <laughs> Commonwealth. Yes, there you go. Commonwealth yeah. countries, Australia, New Zealand. That's right. Anywhere in the UK. So as a public service, these are gestures that you should not do when you're traveling Whoa. to certain places. Okay. So you guys know the thumbs up gesture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just, hey, thumbs up. I do it all the time. Great. Everything's uh -huh. going good. Yeah, sometimes if things are going really well, you do the double thumbs up. Yeah. It's twice as good. Yeah, this yeah. Uh, people in a lot of parts of the Middle East and a lot of parts of Asia, this is kind of considered offensive. This huh. is this is kind of like a, almost like an up yours, not not quite as bad, but okay. it's more just like a. Uh, Hey, buddy, this is what Scram. I think of you. Yeah, uh, it's a, not good. And especially if you're not like, hey, you're doing a great job, you might have the opposite effect. So the thumb thing, maybe it was the act one, scene one, or act one, scene two of Romeo and Juliet. They, they do with this whole elaborate kind of a, oh, a yeah. taunting about biting I, thumb, bite thumb at you. Oh, yeah. thumbs out, right. you know, and mm -hmm. maybe... That might be related. I don't know. There are all kinds of, I mean, as I did some more research, there are all kinds of gestures with the hand and the thumb in particular around your face. We don't necessarily always have those, you know, mm -hmm. here in America, so they may not mean anything to us. So Middle East, no thumbs up. In recent years, this has actually really been changing a lot, partly just due to the spread of, of Westernization just through culture. But, you know, these days, if you're, especially if you're younger, you're going to know what a thumbs up means. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're not going to yeah. think that like, hey, this tourist is telling me to <laughs> where to stay. Right. Yeah. But just be careful. Be careful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you guys know the uh, the come here gesture? Yeah. So like your index finger yeah. out, like kind of curling towards yourself, you know, and you might kinda often weird, yeah. associate those like a seductress in an old, yeah. you know, noirish movie or something. In a lot of countries, especially uh, certain Asian countries like the Philippines, this is really offensive to do the come here gesture with a finger to somebody. Huh. Like if you do this at all, it's something that you would use to gesture animals. Uh, so uh, it would be it would be the equivalent of be like come here, come here, Chris, come on, Chris, right, you know, like right, slapping right, your yeah, knee, yeah, like yeah. calling a dog. Yeah. Uh, and even if you're not calling an animal, you just you don't do that to somebody. Huh. It's kind of just really rude and offensive. Yeah. The okay sign. Thumb yep. and index finger in a circle, the other three fingers spread out. Okay. Yep. Again, we use this all the time yeah. here. It's like, great. Everything's going fine. Mm. Love it. This one, this one's really bad in a lot yeah. of places. Oh, yes? really? Yeah, in in many parts yeah. of the Middle East and in some Spanish-speaking countries, this can be considered uh, like a reference to your butthole, basically. Yeah. Uh -huh. You're yeah. calling someone a butthole, right. or or worse, yeah, or you're yeah. just making a really vulgar association. In uh, in Japan, it means uh, money. They're talking about like money. 
Ah, yeah, they do that. just as a general sign for money. Yeah. Also, this isn't necessarily vulgar or obscene, but in in a lot of European countries, you know, in in France or Germany in particular, this just means zero. You know, or like <laughs> uh, worthless, zero, yep. nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean okay. My favorite example of this, again, I don't know what it is with U.S. politicians. <laughs> <laughs> so it, this this sign, what we would call the OK sign in in Brazil, is still, in fact, considered pretty vulgar, and it's it's again essentially an up yours or an, an F you. Like you show that to somebody. That's 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 not saying everything is all right. On a visit to Brazil in the 1950s, uh, Richard Nixon, uh, he was not president then, but obviously later became president. As he's coming off the plane, throws up a double okay <laughs> sign. Not, just for good not measure. Just, one. just not for one. Yeah. Which, again, would be the equivalent of a double U.S. politician. How are you doing, Brazil? I'm, I'm Richard Nixon. Happy to see you. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, And again, yes, left a lasting impression, (laughs) I'm sure. Uh And then one one final example. So this is one that is sort of considered rude here, but is orders of magnitude more rude in Greece. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the the, the hand out, palm out, you Mm -hmm. know, like, stop! Or yeah. talk to the hand. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so it's really rude. It here. is pretty yeah. rude. Like talk to the hand, but in Greece it's even worse. This is called the uh, mutsa gesture, and this is a historically offensive gesture hmm. in Greece. Like it's it's not just stop talking or I don't want to hear you. It's more like stop talking, f off. I don't want to hear what you're saying. They say that it's a reference going way back to taunting criminals and stockades by rubbing dirt or other very unpleasant substances in the faces of criminals. So it's like saying, it's like, I want to rub in your face. So don't do that, even if you're feeling sassy uh, when you're out in Greece. (laughs) If you're feeling sassy in Greece. Save it for Oprah. That's right. Yeah, because the the Moosa don't want to hear it. Oh, Um, man. uh, So I would say that in summary, my lesson for you is when traveling the world... Just never take your hands out of your pockets. <laughs> yes, just don't just do don't, anything with don't your hands make ever, any ever, ever. gestures at whatsoever. That yeah, might that's... be rude too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll never win. Yeah. You'll never win. Well, if I can just make one person's difference. Speaking of moving your hands around, the handshake, the classic handshake, is the way you say hello or mm-hmm. the way you meet someone. Extend a handshake, and also kind of the symbol of good sportsmanship. Yeah, you know, we see this in sports a lot. Tennis, definitely a good handshake, or you. Do like in football, you have a whole row of people shaking hands, mm-hmm. and and it's so weird that something that is the the symbol of good sportsmanship and manners had a really crazy origin, mm-hmm. a dark origin. The first depiction of handshake was probably from the fourth or fifth century in Greece, uh, BC. Mm-hmm. Some of you might know this, uh, some of you might not. I didn't know this, but handshakes. The most commonly cited reason for handshakes was because uh, back in those days, a lot of warring states, uh, a lot of treachery, the handshake was your way to ensure that the other person doesn't have a weapon Mm -hmm. hid in the sleeve. Mm -hmm. In another sense, it's also saying, hey, I don't have a weapon, I'm open to shake, Mm -hmm. and I come in peace. And there are some theories that you're supposed to shake hands really vigorously (laughs) to maybe, yeah, to prove that you really don't have anything hidden in your armor or under your coat. And so if you shake really heartily, (laughs) all your daggers will like fall to the ground or something. So like weak shakes are not to be trusted 
interested. Yeah. You're like, why are you doing this we in such shake. a weird so you way? You have to yeah. prove that you come unarmed. Yeah. It's weird that everybody was so paranoid that the handshake was your classic example of right. I come with yeah. no weapons. Hey, nice no to see you. Yeah. Please yeah. don't stab me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not paranoia when they, when yeah. they really <laughs> might be might do that. And this is why you always shake hands with the right hand because that's people's main mm. main weapon hand. Right. Yeah. And fun fact about handshaking, <laughs> there is a world record uh, the longest handshake between two people. Gross. Uh-huh. It went on, <laughs> yeah, went on for thirty three hours and three uh-huh. minutes, and just two people shaking hands. I'm not in New York City. I'm not impressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just seeing, I mean, but you have to stay awake. For, <laughs> I don't know if they're awake though. No, like if well, they can you take turns? Oh, can you take turns being awake? Or yeah, yeah, you take turns. So one person sleeping, the other person as long as one person is shaking, both yeah. hands are yeah. technically yeah. shaking. Hands are being shaken. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is kind of weird to think about it. And I found another custom that also stems from paranoia of being killed. <laughs> um, so when we go to restaurants, most of the time your utensils are wrapped in napkin. Mm-hmm. Right. And the origin is because it goes back to the medieval times. People used to put poison on your utensils to kill you. Oh. So a way to ensure or, you know, the host proving that it has been untampered is all of the utensils have been wrapped in napkin. Uh-huh. And that's a way to be like they're safe. You know, they weren't exposed mm-hmm. to air. No one snuck in and, and put poison. But then I was like, well, well can't you put poison? Biggest, yeah. 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 Can't yeah. you just put poison on it? So there you go. Lots of lots of good manner things uh, stem from from people trying to kill just each trying other. To you know? <laughs> just trying to get along. Just trying to get along. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they say actually a lot of table manners evolved as a way of making sure that people who were all eating together did not like Die. kill each other. No, <laughs> like murder each other while oh. while meals were going on. Um, hmm. Because you know people used to murder each other a lot more. Um, you know the the yeah. u- the only utensil used to be your knife. Right, like your dagger. Yeah, like back in the day, like that was your only utensil. Remember, forks or spoons. You just used the knife, and it was the same one you'd kill people with. So sometimes arguments, dinner table argument. I mean, that's why, like you know, it's taboo to discuss matters of politics at the dinner table or, you know, like things people might get into arguments about because they used to just stab each other. The likelihood that you'll be stabbed by one of your dinner companions is a lot lower now than it may have been in medieval times. However, we have uh, and most societies have evolved lengthy lists and uh, rituals of table manners. And so, to that end, I have prepared a quiz. All right. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Now, okay, so two things here. Mm-hmm. This we are talking about the American style table manners. These okay. this does differ in some ways from continental table manners, British table manners. Like some things are different, some customs evolve sure. differently. And also, the big hint here is if you if you're not sure of the answer, and if you are ever at a fancy dinner and you're you're trying to mind your table manners, just do whatever is least convenient for you. <laughs> whatever the thing is that is least convenient for you is probably proper table manners. So here's so here is a quiz. So if you sit down in front of you and you, you see your place setting in front of you, and there are three forks. Oh, and, and three knives. Okay. Which fork do you use first? Yeah. Colin. I think I remember learning that it's yeah. outside in. It is outside mm-hmm. in. Okay. So you have three forks and three knives. You probably want three knives. But you work from the ones that are furthest away from the plate in towards the plate. It's probably salad fork, dinner fork, and dessert fork, right, right. if anything. 
you're eating your salad with your yeah. salad fork and you take a few bites and you decide that you want to put your fork down somewhere. Where do you put your fork? But you're not done eating. No, you're not done eating. You're, you're, just, put, you're just putting the fork down for a second. Colin. I I would guess you you rest it on the edge of the plate. Like okay. the part that goes in your mouth, you rest on the edge of the plate. Oh, and the, the part that doesn't go in your mouth stays off the plate? Yeah, touches is on the, table. the is on the okay. table. Wrong. Anybody else want to take a stab at this? It goes behind your ear. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so here is here is the rule. Once they come up off the tablecloth, utensils never go back down on the tablecloth. No part of them should touch the tablecloth. You should rest it entirely on the edge of your plate. Okay, we all know that we're supposed to take the napkin and put it into our lap. Yeah. When... Should you do this? Let's say you're at a restaurant. Everybody's sitting down at the table. I'm sitting at the table. I haven't had any food yet. Mm -hmm. When should I put the napkin on my lap? Karen. When the food is being served? No. Before that. Before that. Is it immediately? It is immediately. Oh, when you sit down? It is within like a minute or so of sitting down. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be doing anything. Now, you definitely should not be doing anything that involves bringing any food or drinks anywhere near you without the napkin down. So before you even start drinking water, you're supposed to have the napkin down. I could see not wanting to do the napkin when the waiter comes because you might elbow them or make, you know. No, you're not supposed to elbow them either. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But you just want to be ready, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, now, you don't need to unfold the napkin entirely, I find no. out. You don't have to take the napkin and unfold it all the way. The fold is towards you. It is. Yeah. Yes. Whoa. You can leave it folded in half with the crease towards you. You sit down at a fancy dinner and there's uh, utensils all over the place, right? Right. There's uh-huh. utensils and there's glasses and there's like three glasses in front of you and whatever. Which plate is your bread plate as opposed to your neighbor's bread plate and which are your glasses as opposed to your neighbor's glasses? Dana. So your bread plate is on your left side and your glasses are on the right? Correct. Yeah. Um, if you have trouble remembering this, just hold your hands up in front of you and make the okay or, <laughs> or, or butthole <laughs> And one hand it, will make yeah. a B for bread and the other hand will make a oh, D for drink. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If I were to say to you, Colin, if the uh, salt and pepper were near you and I say, Colin, please pass the salt. Yes. What should you do? My mom taught me I should pass them both to you. You are correct. Your mom is correct. Yes, your mom is correct, and so are you. The salt and pepper are married. If someone asks you to pass either the salt or the pepper, you pass them both. Why? So you always know where the salt and pepper are. Yes, they just just stay together. Mm. They don't don't get split up. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, Karen is now sitting between Colin and I at this table, and let's say Colin was passing the salt and pepper over to me, and he had to pass them to Karen so she could give them to me. Mm -hmm. Karen, as the salt and pepper are coming over, thinks to herself, oh, oh, I want some salt on my food, too. Yeah. Is it okay, before it gets to me, for you to just sprinkle some salt on and then pass it to me? No. It is not okay. That's right. Doesn't Karen, matter why. not okay, Karen. It doesn't matter why. It's not okay. You have to you, you have to complete the pass to the person who requested it, and then you can request it later. I can see how that might be rude of me if I did that. Right, yeah. But yeah. to me, it's like, oh, it's efficient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, let's say I have the, the salt and pepper, and uh, my food arrives. I look at the food, and I'm like, you know what? I'm looking at this food right now. This food clearly needs some salt and some pepper. I haven't tasted it, but I definitely think it needs salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Is it okay to put salt and pepper on the food at that point? 
I feel like wait that's, after you're not you, supposed to. Yeah, I, you, I I have the food. I haven't tasted it yet, but I'm looking at it, and clearly it needs salt and no, pepper. You're I not think supposed to do yeah, that. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. No, it's you an are insult it, to the person who made the food. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you are supposed to taste your food first, even if it is a pro forma tasting, um, <laughs> and then you put salt and pepper on. Hold on. Go on. So in restaurants, mm-hmm. sometimes a server will come to you after you just got your food, you haven't eaten yet, yeah. mm-hmm. and they'll ask, would you like pepper on it? Right. Then oh. that's okay. That's okay. Because I have a taste of pepper. Oh, oh yeah. No, that's, that's totally okay, because that's part of the dish. That okay. is that is a part of the dish that the, the restaurant is preparing it this yeah. certain way for you. Okay, let's say they serve me my food, and I look at something on the plate, and I think to myself, I do not want to eat that. Okay. I, don't, I totally don't want to eat that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to like that. What is the proper thing to do? Spread it out around your face. <laughs> <laughs> Eat everything else yeah. and then hide it under a slice of mangled bread. <laughs> I'm guessing the answer is not give it to the dog under the table. But definitely, that, definitely not. not. Make it look like you Yeah. Do you think, that. again, what is the least convenient oh, thing man. for you here? You're supposed to eat some of it? Yes. Doesn't matter some how much you don't yet. Yeah, you don't have to eat all of it. Okay. Mm. You don't have to eat all of it, but you have to taste everything. Huh. If it's served to you, wow. you've got to try a little bit of it. And if you really don't like it, you choke it down. And then if they ask you if you didn't care for it, you just say, you know, I, I guess I'm just not accustomed to this flavor, but yeah. I really appreciate the opportunity to try it. Yeah, <laughs> I told it's okay to say you didn't care for something, but yeah. you can't say you didn't like it. Like saying I didn't, I didn't like it, it yeah. is like so rude, but mm. I, oh, I didn't care for it. You I'm say not it in calibrated right for this. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it's like you're you're talking down yourself and be like, "Oh, yeah. I'm not like yeah. you guys." Pardon my <laughs> yes. lower palate. If someone toasts you, if they yeah. raise their glass and they say, "To Karen, a swell gal," uh-huh. lots of moxie. Do you, Karen, drink? Oh, do you drink? No, you can't drink to a toast celebrating you. You do not drink to yourself. The polite thing to do is to nod, say thank you, but do not do not drink. What if you have something in your mouth? That you do not want there. Like if there's a piece of gristle that accidentally uh, got in there. If there's a piece of bone that actually eggshell. Egg, what I got in there. Eggshell, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what do you do? I think I remember reading once. You are, I think, as discreetly as possible, supposed to put it on your fork and then transfer that to the plate? Basically, yes. Oh, if that sounds gross. Anything that goes in has to come out the way that it went in. So if it went in on your fork, it comes out on your fork. (laughs) If it went in via your hands, it can come out on your hands. Ah, Um, If you've got an olive pit, you can take it out with your thumb and forefinger. That's okay. Okay. But if if it's a piece of bone, what they say is, traditional table manners is, you you spit it on your fork. And then where do you put it? Uh, On your plate. In the host's drink, strangely. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's weird. It's not that convenient for you. You have to get up and like walk over there and put it in. <laughs> so this people even people who are well versed in table manners might not do this because it is the answer is going to shock you. This answer will shock you. <laughs> right. According to the traditional rules of etiquette, if you are served whole asparagus spears with no sauce, uh-huh. how do you eat them? Oh. 
With uh, no what, no wait. sauce, like oh, if they're I not see. covered in some sort of a sauce or something. I I think this is one of those weird things that you are allowed to eat with your hands. Yeah, mm-hmm. asparagus, according to the old traditional rules of etiquette, is a finger food. Huh. So if you're served like you know asparagus that's By not sauce. slathered in sauce, that's mm-hmm. not cut up into little pieces like whole asparagus spears, mm-hmm. hands finger food. I'm shocked. People would still <laughs> people would still look at you weird today because people wouldn't know. do that. Yeah, yeah, but it is actually. Yeah, I would not true. do that if I were in a fancy restaurant. No. I wouldn't take a chance on mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so finally we're finally done with this torturous <laughs> meal okay. how do i signal to the waiter that i am done put both of your silverware on the edge of your plate is it like 135 degrees or oh you're, like you're, 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 you've you've definitely it? heard this before Whoa. yeah you uh put your fork and knife on your plate oh. basically mm-hmm. both of them pointing towards the lower right hand corner Got of it. the plate if you put your fork and knife sort of like a, an upside down v that means i'm not done don't take my plate oh, away yeah. so that's how you I'm can leave eating. your utensils yeah. on your plate uh and get up and go somewhere or do something or talk to somebody but you're still going to eat more food Oh. That is, yes, man, torturous. I, I'm sure I violate almost all of those every yeah, time. Me too. I, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, every single one. All right, we're gonna take a little break in honor of our sponsor, Warby Parker. I made a, a little quiz, cool facts about eyes and vision. You have some IQs. <laughs> yes, some oh, cues about uh, eyes. Yes. Test your IQ. Oh, I didn't think that far. Uh, that was good. Oh man. All right. <laughs> I have some IAs. (laughs) I have some I don't know. (laughs) The first question, what specific animal has the largest eyeball? Whoa. I think it's the giant squid. Uh, Correct. Giant slash colossal squid. The recent recorded eyeball length (laughs) is 11 inches. Wow. Uh, 11 inches across. That's like a basketball. So we always say 2020 vision, 2020 vision. What does the 20 actually stand for? Oh. Colin. I, I think that it's when you say someone has 2020 vision, it means they can see at 20 feet what the standard person should be able to see at 20 feet with uncorrected vision. Correct. Oh, so okay. if you have 2040, mm-hmm. that means. That means that I don't have as good vision because I yeah. can only see at 20 feet what the standard person should be able to see at 40 feet. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I'm sure a lot of people go to their optometrist, eye doctor, and they have to go through the test where they see random letters uh, on a chart. Uh, and they have to read different lines. Yeah. What is that chart we, called? We have to yeah. have this. Dana. Was it like Snell? Is that the name? Very close. Snell, Snelling? Snellen. Snellen. S N E L L E N. That quintessential oh. chart with the random letters. Oh, I don't right. know if it's standard. Oh, I think it is. But can't you just memorize it then? Well, no, I'm not supposed to cheat. They're, they're yeah, doing the right. test like they're assuming you haven't memorized the whole thing. Yeah. Like, you're not, why would you, you what, is, what do you anything. gain by cheating? I'm going to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> Crash my car into a tree, suckers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, I, Two astronauts I, up in the <laughs> space shuttle's like, I cheated on the eye exam. <laughs> Memorize the letter. I'm actually blind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of blindness, the name of this visually impaired animal comes from a longer, older Germanic name that literally means dirt tosser. Damn. Is it like a blind mole? 
It is a mole. Mole. Oh, okay. Mole. M-O-L-E. Comes huh. from the term moldy warp. Huh. And oh, moldy that's warp. Cool. That is such a good Cool name. word. And yeah. it's M-O-U-L-D-Y warp. W-A-R-P. Moldy wow. warp. That's really... It means dirt, dirt thrower? Dirt, yeah. dirt thrower. <laughs> dirt tosser. That's great. Yes, moles have bad vision. And it's mostly due to the fact they have tiny, 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 tiny eyes. Mm-hmm. That's basically a thin membrane behind mm. their snout. Huh. So these, it, it, so these quote eyes mm-hmm. allow them to sense light, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And ah. Nothing else. Interesting thing about moles, they have a special ability living in low oxygen places, mm-hmm. which makes sense because they live underground or they dig underground, and their bodies are able to reuse the oxygen that's in their body, hmm. so that huh. they can stay alive. All right, last eyeball question: What is the white of the eye called? <laughs> The sclera. Yeah! The sclera. S-C-L-E-R-A. And there you go. There's there are my cues about eyes. My <laughs> eye cues. Inspired by Warby Parker. And check out warbyparker.com if you're into glasses and monocles. Yeah, especially monocles. <laughs> especially monocles. One, two of them. <laughs> Where them in each eye. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Good Job Brain, Smooth Puzzles, Smart Trivia, Good Job Brain. Well, since I knew we were going to be talking about manners and etiquette this week, and I know that we are all fans of anything even remotely old-timey, <laughs> I, I thought it would be fun to dig up an old-timey etiquette book. Great. And cool. I would like to read to you guys some uh, choice selections from Martin's Handbook of Etiquette and Guide to True Politeness, published in 1866 wow. by Arthur Martin. This was written primarily for an American audience, but to kind of bring a uh, European Flair. sensibility of manners and etiquette to these rough Americans here. And, you know, it's funny reading through this, a lot of the stuff is kind of still good advice today. Yeah. It's common sense, especially the stuff around uh, conversation in particular, I think is still the most relevant. Mm-hmm. It's don't go on and on about yourself. You know, don't talk about all the nice things you have. Don't put other people down. Mm-hmm. And it, it mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. But where it deviates from today's sensibilities is where it gets funny to me. It's quite frankly pretty sexist in a lot of ways. Ways. <laughs> At the minimum, it's it's just very highfalutin. Uh, okay. I mean, and you know, you got to keep in mind that this was written for 
an audience of people who either were or wanted to be yeah, a little bit upper crust or were yeah. part of mm-hmm. society. So well, going back to Chris, uh, you know, the, the origin of etiquette is more of a nobility and more of an aristocratic mm-hmm. code of conduct. Yeah. 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 Not yeah. necessarily yeah. for everybody. Uh, you know, and he covers all the, the common situations of being at dinner, out mm-hmm. at a dance, uh, what to do. Out you know, again, well, this is your part of society. Yeah, you know, sure. going to balls and things like that. You might, you might reasonably expect that's part of your weekly routine. Um, mm-hmm. He talks about uh, in conversation. And again, I think this still bears true today. We next come to the loud talker, the man who silences a whole party by his sole power of lungs. (laughs) All subjects are alike to him. He speaks on every topic with equal fluency and allows no one else to utter a word. And I think we know this kind of person. We all know that guy. (laughs) Next to the talker, we have the man who gives an account of his dogs, horses, lands, books, and pictures. (laughs) Whatever is his must, he thinks, interest others and listen they must <laughs> I thought you just stopped at dogs I was like what? He's really into his dogs <laughs> just, just goes to a party and talks about his dogs <laughs> You know that guy All night somebody secretly at that party is like I do want his dogs <laughs> I'm so interested <laughs> A lot of etiquette manners uh, revolves around dress, how to dress, what to wear, when to wear it, what not to wear. Uh, Mm -hmm. So his advice to a gentleman here is, the dress of a gentleman should be such as not to excite any special observation, unless it be for neatness and propriety. Don't call attention to yourself. Don't don't be that guy who's like, mm-hmm. hey, everybody, look at me. <laughs> it's called peacocking. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. Um, he goes on with some very specific advice to men here, Chris. So I think you okay. and I, we, we need to measure ourselves against this. Go on. Um, there are four kinds of coats which he must have. Whoa. A business coat, uh-huh. a frock coat, uh-huh. a dress coat. And a hoodie. And an overcoat. <laughs> So I think I fail on every single account there. Right. Oh, no. The hoodies are yeah, not I've on that hoodies list. Of multiple colors. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yes. maybe it's like an overcoat? Yeah. A f- no, what is a frock mm. coat? I don't even know what, what a frock is, yeah. coat. I mean, I know a, I know a business coat and an overcoat, but I, I could not tell you the difference between a dress mm. coat and a frock coat. Right. Uh-huh. And again, what about a dress hoodie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the standards oh. for that? Oh. I'll close with this final bit of advice, which again, as I say, still stands today. Never scratch your head. Pick your teeth, clean your nails, or worse than all, pick your nose in company. Mm-hmm. All these things are disgusting. Scratch head. Never scratch no, your head. No, never scratch your head. No, company. because they didn't have head and shoulders back then. They maybe Everybody had, lice, had terrible lice. dandruff oh. and lice, yeah. They oh, that's true. It might be a hygiene thing. It is a hygiene oh, thing. Oh, it is a hygiene thing. If you scratch thing. your head, all kinds of skin <laughs> yeah, flakes. Who knows what's going to come uh, Who knows what's going to come popping out of there. But then how do you gesture that you're thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Scratch your head. Hmm, <laughs> let me think about it. There was you no scratch, light bulb scratch, to go scratch, on over scratch, your head yeah. yet. Yeah. Pop your monocle off. No. Well, it pops off automatically when you're surprised. That's just my understanding. Yeah. All right, we have one last segment. Dana, drum roll, please. <laughs> so, Colin, I'm really glad you talked about Martine and all the uh, kind of etiquette uh, prescriptions he had, because I'm going to talk about Emily Post. Mm. And what she did for etiquette was a response to that. Uh, she was born around the time that that book came out. She was from a really wealthy family, kind of the top of society. So she was this well-to-do woman. She knew all the etiquette. She really adhered to it. She had a very messy divorce because her husband was cheating on her with chorus girl. I mean, it's not very polite <laughs> to talk about in polite society, but it's yeah. very titillating. There was scandal. She got divorced. She became a novelist 
1922, when she was 50, she published a book about etiquette and it exploded. It became this huge hit hmm. because she um, distilled a lot of those really convoluted <laughs> rules into really simple and a fun read for people who are middle class or immigrants to mm-hmm. get better integrated into society. So yeah, because about, there was a lot more social mobility in those days, yeah. right? I mean, people were starting to be able to like, oh, I can actually like go from middle class to upper middle class to or, lower upper class. Like it's possible. You want people to feel comfortable. That was part of her what etiquette was is not a not a weapon to wield against people oh. it's more a tool for um being able to be around other people to be respected and, and you respect I like them that and, angle. and it totally shines through in her in her book that that was the angle and so people really accepted it she it's ended very up positive her book is available on project gutenberg and a lot of the things that she writes in there i think are still pretty applicable today there are a few really funny things that she wrote in there that they feel like they're very strict rules, you know, and it feels like a game almost. And I'll tell you what some of them were. Okay. She had some really strong rules for how men should use hats, uh. like to signal things. Here you go. I'll read this too. A gentleman takes off his hat and holds it in his hand when a lady enters an elevator in which he is a passenger, but he puts it on again in the corridor. A public corridor is like the street, but an elevator is suggestive of a room, and ah. a gentleman does not keep his hat on in the presence of ladies in a house. Ah. Right. So it's, it's got its logic. There's a logic, sure. logic there puzzle. Is, there is a logic to it's it. Like a yeah. Professor yeah. Lynn puzzle. <laughs> oh, I love this one. She had a thing about the bus where if a woman comes on the bus, a gentleman must offer his seat to her, and the woman says thank you, and then they move on with their lives. If a, a gentleman offers a seat to a lady, the other gentleman on the bus must lift their hats to the gentleman who gave the seat. <laughs> We see you. We see you. I love the assumption that everybody is always wearing a hat at all times. Oh, yeah. 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 I guess a bus is not like a room in a house, but is more like a corridor. A bus is more like a mobile mobile corridor, (laughs) Dana. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She's really into like not being pretentious. And so she has these things never to say. Don't try to sound more fancy than you actually are. She's like, Never say tendered him a banquet. Say gave him a dinner. <laughs> never, never say will accord me permission. Say will you let me or may I? Don't say I trust I'm not trespassing. Say I hope I'm not in the way. And finally say partook of liquid refreshment. Say had something to drink. Right. It's like don't be weird. Don't don't speak with the long words that you think yeah. that people yeah. want to hear, and that will be that will let you know that you're fancy. No, no, it doesn't work that way. You're making everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's yeah. not polite. Don't say I just pilfered this automobile. <laughs> say I stole this, this car. car. No. Oh, Show some class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Chris, for making me feel included in the thing you're trying to say. Yeah, exactly. See? <laughs> also, will you give me a ride <laughs> please and thank you <laughs> oh man actually in 1950 she was voted the second most powerful woman in america wow. like that's how oh. that's how big of an impact her books wow. had yeah and really transformed american manners and, and it kind of became like the go-to it's like well emily post says xyz and you're like oh okay yeah. well it's, conversation right. settled right, it's right. a really fun read on project gutenberg she's she's like a snappy writer and it's very conversational she does try to make you feel included with her. it yeah, she did a good job. All right. And that is our Manners and Etiquette show. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot about hat tipping, uh, <laughs> what gestures not to do, origin of handshake. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And check out our sponsor, Warby Parker, at warbyparker.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 
Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.